0: This is Bloomberg Law with June Grosso from Bloomberg Radio.
1: The Supreme Court has given environmentalists a partial win on the scope of the Clean Water Act. Joining me is Pat Parento, a professor of environmental law at Vermont Law School. So, Pat, start by explaining the issue here about the wastewater discharges.
0: So this is the uh, Maui sewage treatment plant, which injects its treated effluent, the sewage, into the groundwater. And it's about a a half a mile from the Pacific Ocean in this very popular surfing beach. And it travels through the groundwater, enters the Pacific Ocean, where the studies have shown it's done quite a bit of damage to the coral reef in that area. And of course, because the treated sewage still has some bacteria in it, it creates a potential health threat to people that are swimming in the waters. And this has been going on for a very long time. Uh, Neither the EPA nor the state agency that regulates these kinds of discharges have ever required a Clean Water Act permit for the injection of this effluent into the groundwater. And so the Ninth Circuit, in response to a citizen suit brought by a number of groups in Hawaii, ruled that as long as you could fairly trace the pollutants that are in the ocean back to these injection wells, that kind of discharge required a permit under the Clean Water Act. And so that was the question that went to the Supreme Court. When, if ever, will a discharge through the groundwater into surface water require a Clean Water Act permit?
1: And what did they decide?
0: They decided that on some circumstances, a permit will be required. And it's interesting, it was a Justice Breyer opinion It was six to three, which is a a significant margin of victory for an environmental result. And most interestingly, Judge Kavanaugh joined the majority along with Chief Justice Roberts. So it was a very strong opinion in that regard. But Justice Breyer didn't like the Ninth Circuit fairly traceable test. He didn't like the argument the environmental groups were making that as long as you could show a pro- that the, the discharge was the proximate cause of the pollutants getting into the ocean waters, he didn't like that test. EPA at one time had a different test that said if there was a direct hydrological connection between the groundwater and the surface water, that might require a permit. So Justice Breyer decided to come up with his own test, which he called the functional equivalent of a direct discharge. And nobody knows exactly what <laughs> he means, By the functional equivalent, including, of course, Justice Alito, who wrote a very long and testy dissent, saying this doesn't make any sense, it's too vague for anybody to understand. Justice Breyer outlined about seven different factors that would be considered in determining whether there was a functional equivalent of a direct discharge. The most important element, as Justice Breyer said, is time and distance, in other words, how long does it take for the pollutant to travel from the point source through the groundwater into the surface water? But he didn't say, you know, how much time or how much distance. So that's what the lower courts are now going to have to figure out.
1: So did it revolve around the word from?
0: That was, that was really the critical word. Justice Alito said it, it's a combination of what, what does the point source definition mean? What does the addition of a pollutant mean? and what does from mean? But I I think, yes, I think the, the, the key was, is the pollutant in the ocean water coming from the injection wells or from the groundwater? And of course, in a sense, it's both. But the conservative justices of the court, Alito, Thomas, Gorsuch, they wanted a really strict bright line rule that said unless there is a direct discharge from a point source like a pipe or a ditch or something like that. It's just not regulated as a discharge. It's then addressed as a non-point source problem, and that's up to the individual states to decide how to deal with that. So that element introduces a familiar theme that we see in these environmental cases, which is the federalism concept: where does federal law end and state law begins, and the difference between a point source discharge and a non-point source pollution problem, gets at that, that federalism question.
1: So will this decision make it more difficult for property owners to predict whether they need a federal permit or not?
0: I think it will, actually. Breyer's seven-factor tests are not even exhaustive. He doesn't indicate which ones are the most important ones. So you're left with trying to figure out how far away from surface water's Can I be, before I have to worry about an activity that either either injecting waste into the groundwater or just, you know, activities that, that involve some runoff, which might go into a ditch, which then might seep down into the groundwater? Does that require a permit? There's another case, the Kinder Morgan case, in which a pipeline ruptured and the gas leaked into the groundwater. Some of it was cleaned up. Most of it wasn't. That groundwater eventually took the gas into a river. So that's going to be one of the early cases to decide, is that the kind of functional equivalent of a discharge? Many, many different questions are going to have to be sorted out, and it'll take years to figure this out.
1: Our environmentalists are celebrating this as a victory, but this reversed a decision in their favor with a broader standard at the Ninth Circuit. So where's the victory?
0: Well, the victory is in uh, the bullet that was dodged. <laughs> because if the, if the Alito version of the act applied, you could have a big loophole in the law, which would allow people to move their pipelines back from the river, let's say, and discharge to the ground, and then it would flow into the river. That wouldn't be covered. There are a lot of situations like these coal ash pits that are all throughout the southeast where the coal country is, and they're loaded with heavy metals and toxic chemicals and so forth. And those have become major sources of both groundwater contamination and river contamination. Those wouldn't be regulated uh, under the Clean Water Act. So the the real victory here, I think, is what didn't happen, which is that uh, the court didn't decide to create this fairly large loophole uh, that people could avoid the permit requirement. And this idea that it can be dealt with as a non-point source problem it, it is, is really fanciful. Um, the reason we have so many uh, rivers and lakes that don't meet water quality standards is because of non-point source pollution and because there's no regulation of that kind of pollution, no meaningful regulation. That's why we have all these Serious water quality problem. So, the more that you exempt polluting activities from the permit program, the harder it's going to be to achieve water quality. So, the real victory here is what didn't happen.
1: But this has to go back now to the Ninth Circuit or to the lower court?
0: It'll go back to the Ninth Circuit first. The Ninth Circuit will then send it back down to the district court in Hawaii. And then the question will be. Will this case finally get settled? You know, we've had two prior settlements in the case, but the mayor of Maui, I think it is, yes. um, Victor Reno, um, has mixed both of these settlements. Um, from what I see, the county and the city both have expended over $4 million to litigate this case. Some of these lawyers' fees are pretty steep, right? Yes. And um, the question is, At what point do the taxpayers of Maui say enough is enough, let's settle this case? So I'm guessing there will be a settlement of the case, but the mayor hasn't said yes or no to that yet.
1: So now let's talk about the lineup, which you mentioned, 6-3, to with Chief Justice John Roberts and Justice Brett Kavanaugh joining the liberals. Was
0: that a surprise? It wasn't if you read the uh, transcript or listened to the oral argument. When Justice Breyer floated his functional equivalent idea, although Justice Roberts seemed somewhat skeptical, it was pretty clear because Breyer said, well, this is something that we'll be discussing. That was kind of a cue, at least to me, that Roberts and Breyer had had some kind of discussion about how to handle this case. Uh, Roberts clearly disagreed, with the argument that there would be no regulation any time a discharge touched, as he put it, groundwater. He asked during oral argument, he asked the petitioner's lawyer, Albert Lynn, you mean to tell me even if the discharge only goes through two inches of groundwater, it wouldn't require a permit? And Lynn said, that's right, it wouldn't. So Roberts wasn't buying this absolute rule that an indirect discharge could never be regulated. But he clearly didn't like the Ninth Circuit's very broad, fairly traceable test. So I guess, by default, he went along with Breyer's decision. And it's critical that Roberts assigned Breyer the opinion uh, instead of giving it to someone else. So that gave Breyer a chance to really flesh out as much as he could uh, his test and also completely disagree with EPA's argument the Trump administration's argument, and so forth.
1: So are you telling me, Pat, that they discuss the cases before the oral arguments and they sort of line up people?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, shocking, isn't it? Yes, they do. They have these conferences. And sometimes, we learn this from uh, the papers of Justice Blackman and others that are now at the Library of Congress. They actually take straw votes uh, on some of these cases in conference just to see kind of what what does the line up look like and that tells the chief justice sort of if he's going to go along with one faction of the court or the other who's going to get the assignment to write the opinion that's a critical decision point in a, in a lot of these cases so yeah my guess is that Roberts had a fair idea um that this was going to be a close vote and as i say he was he clearly was not going to go along with the petitioners argument so he landed more on the side of Breyer than Alito, and that's how the case came out.
1: So that explains Roberts. What about Kavanaugh? Because when we've talked before, yeah. he has not come out as a justice who, who would side with environmentalists.
0: No. In fact, he wrote a separate concurring opinion, very short concurring opinion, in which he said what tipped the scales for him was his idol, Justice Scalia, And something that Justice Scalia had said in this infamous Rapanos case, where Scalia said the word, he he looked at both the word from point source and to the waters of the United States and said that that combination suggests to me that it doesn't require a direct discharge. If Congress had meant it to mean direct discharge, it would have used the word into the surface water by using the word to. He said that suggests that in some cases indirect discharges could also be covered. Kavanaugh cited that as the decisive factor for him in siding with Breyer and Roberts and uh, the more liberal wing of the court. Still, I think, a notable thing. I mean, it would have been more natural, I think, for Kavanaugh to side with Alito on a question like this. A very textualist kind of approach to the interpretation, but he didn't. He went. He went with the more environmental point. Is this
1: also a message to the EPA that they had flip-flopped too far?
0: Yes, and the, all the justices noted, even Alito, that EPA was entitled to no deference in this case because they had been so inconsistent with the way that they looked at this question of when would a discharge through groundwater be regulated or not. And that, that is true. But I would also say that over time, EPA has more often come down on the side of regulating some of these instances of discharges through groundwater. And specifically, in the Maui case, it filed a brief in the Ninth Circuit supporting the assertion of Clean Water Act jurisdiction over that particular activity. So all the justices were very critical of EPA in the Maui case. So is the
1: difference in the EPA, the difference between an EPA under Obama and an EPA under Trump, or is it just a difference?
0: I think this one is, is more a matter that the agency has just not been consistent through a variety of administrations. Um, certainly the Trump administration's approach uh, didn't command any significant respect in the decision in the Maui case. Um, and so, therefore, I would say, you know, the Trump administration's approach probably, you know, was was more extreme um, than prior administrations, but they've all struggled with how to regulate this kind of activity.
1: So now industry groups are up in arms saying this is going to open the floodgates to clean water litigation. Do you see that happening?
0: I don't. I, I think there is going to be... Uh, A period of time, years actually, where we're not going to have a final resolution of this question of how often will these kinds of indirect discharges be regulated. But if you look back over the history of the Clean Water Act, which is approaching 50 years now, there actually is a very, very small number of instances where these indirect discharges have actually been regulated. And the common theme in all of them is The discharges are relatively close to the surface water, and they have been traced by things like dye studies, so that you knew the pollutant you're finding in the river was coming from this particular point source. Even though it had to travel through groundwater, it was getting there relatively quickly. So I don't don't see a huge number of these cases. One area where this is going to be actively litigated are these coal ash pits that I mentioned, because... There are thousands of them throughout coal country. Most of them are unlined pits. Most of them are leaking uh, pollutants into groundwater that gets into surface water. That's going to be a very active area of litigation, but it's it's hard to see that this is going to be a, a huge new source of regulated activities.
1: So besides water treatment plants and the coal pits, what other facilities does this ruling affect?
0: Probably mining operations, which also have a lot of ponds, and the ponds themselves are considered point sources. And if they overtop and flow down into rivers or lakes, or if they leak out the bottom and go through the groundwater, you could probably see some litigation over that kind of activity. But the sewage treatment plants around the country that use these injection wells to get rid of their uh, treated effluent, I think those are eligible or or potential targets for some of this litigation. But as I say, we haven't seen a whole lot of that in the past. Now, whether all of a sudden there will be a whole new wave of these citizen suits, it's hard to say. But historically, we haven't seen that.
1: Thanks, Pat. That's Pat Parento of the Vermont Law School.